Welcome to the Chronic Sex Podcast. Chronic Sex talks about how self-love, relationships, sex, and sexuality are all affected by chronic illness and disability. That's not all, though. We'll also touch on intersectionality, social justice, empathy, current events, and much, much more. Given the range of subject matter, this podcast is not suitable for those under the age of 18, and unless you have headphones, you probably shouldn't be listening to us at work. My name's Kirsten Schultz, and I'm your host. Well, hey, cutie pies. Um, I know I said at the end of last week that I was going to play my call with my friend Siren today, but I run into some technical issues with how it got mixed from Zencaster, and I need to do some tweaking to it. And I feel like right now, with some of the things going on um, that are going to harm sex workers, that this would be an important thing to talk about today instead. Um, I love Siren. I will get you that episode with her as soon as I can. Um but it just isn't going to be today. <laughs> um, so first, before I kind of dig into some FOSTA-SESTA stuff, I want to highlight a couple of other things that are going on. Um, one is, if you are listening to this, like, when it's released, the week of April, oh, fuck, 15th. It's Wednesday, the 18th, so I had to, like, look at my calendar. Um, but if, if you're listening to it this week, I am speaking at um, UW-Madison in, in Wisconsin at the Pyle Center for their first Queer conference about the intersection of being queer and disabled. Um, and, and you can find the link for that at facebook.com slash chronically sexy slash events. Um, I think if you just Google Whisqueer UW, that'll, you'll find it there too. Um, second is I started this cool new thing called Lift Up Others Fridays. Um, and a lot of the things I'm going to share today are actually included in a link, uh, in, in a roundup that I have a link for on Medium. So I'm going to post that link in today's show notes so that you can dig into the articles if you want. But essentially what Lift Up Others Fridays is, um, is a way to highlight people who have marginalized identities, people who are going through things that are not on, uh, mainstream, air quotes, mainstream people's, um, agendas or what have you, because there's a lot of marginalized people, especially within the sex educator world, that face a lot of pushback from people who refuse to listen to them, and they're told that their marginalizations don't matter by people who have privilege in that area. Um, I've recently run into this because I had a tweet go viral about how the Coachella owner is a douchebag and hates queer people, um, and I'm having a lot of pushback from people who aren't queer telling me I'm wrong, etc., without even reading all of the links that I've added and um, clearly without appreciating the emotional labor that I've already done with that story. Um, I guess I'll link to that too if I can find it. (laughs) But what I want Lift Up Others Fridays to be is a way for us to become more inclusive um, 
whether you're in the sex ed world or not, um, a way for us to learn more about the world around us from people who are directly affected by these issues. Um, and, and most of all, I think there are a lot of people who will listen to celebrities like Amy Schumer when they say that, oh, sex trafficking is like this big thing. We need to like end back page, et cetera, because um, she, she participated in that. And, and these people are not well-versed in these issues. A lot of politicians are not well-versed in these issues. And we can only become well-versed in them by actually paying attention to each other and lifting up voices we may not already hear. If you'd like to participate in sharing something, um, you can do that and then just do hashtag L-U-O-F for Lift Up Others Friday. Um, or, you know, send me a link, whatever, and I will... Um, sometime over the weekend kind of culminate and collect the, the things that I've seen be shared on the hashtag or things that I think are important to share. Um, and, you know, if you want to lift up others' voices without doing this, that's totally fine. No one's saying you have to. Um, please try to share what they're saying directly. Um, if somebody wants to be anonymous, you know, quote them, but don't share who they are. And make sure that you're saying, like, the the following is an actual quote, quote within quotations, because otherwise things get muddy um, and it can lead to some really weird situations and feels. So, with that said, um, I want to talk about first... O school. And I'm, I'm hoping to have a longer episode on this at some point. Um, I don't, for those of you who don't know what O school is, it's an online platform for people to do sex education. Um, it's morphed into some different things than it was initially going to be, um, which has already bothered people, but it's gotten funkier. Um, I have a, a couple friends who have written some things that I kind of want to summarize here. And again, most of these should be in that uh, Lift Up Others Friday uh, link that I'll put in the show notes. But uh, one of the biggest things is that O School has not been transparent with their payment policies. Um. They were supposed to be paying a flat rate for each stream uh, that a sex educator did as a thank you gift, which was not written into contracts, but it was kind of always expected, except that for people who had been onboarded more recently, um, that was never told to us, and they've also taken that away. Um, There used to be like a they use Slack to communicate and there used to be a channel to talk about payment issues. They removed that and you now have to talk one-on-one um, and there's no transparency in, in any of that payment stuff. And, you know, people, people just won't talk about some things. Um, but yeah, they, they removed that kind of thank you gift which means that then people who are streaming, um, sex educators who are doing this work, are only getting tips um, 
that are split 50-50 with O-School. And if you think about it, their main target is people in college. I remember a time in college when I had 37 cents in my bank account, and that was not irregular. So when you're telling people, oh, you should tip, and you're telling sex educators they need to be okay with just receiving half of these tips as their pay for doing an hour-plus stream, some streams I've seen of three hours, um, it's very awkward. Um, and it's just, it's inappropriate, honestly. Um, they also recently kicked out um, Andre Shakti, who is a sex educator, but also a sex worker. Um, they basically told Andre that they had to remove, they had to change the theme of an upcoming workshop because it was going to be around sex work. And like, hey, ask me anything you want about sex work. Which I think is a very positive thing, especially with all the shit coming down the pipeline. And uh, she was told that people needed to have a conversation. Um, and then that conversation basically consisted of, hey, you need to change your theme. And no, you can't talk about sex work. Which is incredibly awkward it's very silencing especially since they've released things saying that they support sex workers in the midst of sesta which i'll define um in, in a couple minutes when we did more into that but andre was one of their most um well-received sex educators on this platform um a very large chunk of, of their income came from this platform because they did receive a lot of tips and then that, you know, quote-unquote thank you gift for streaming. Um, it is very awkward <laughs> um, to see them pushing people out, saying that they support these people, Um and then censoring them. Like, it's it's incredibly awkward, incredibly uncool. Um, even more, I've had some very odd things go on with Oskol myself. I signed up with them in November-ish um, because I, I figured that would be kind of a fun thing stream some classes. Um, I had some friends who worked very closely with the founder who were participants in like the initial college tour when they did sex ed in person, some of those kinds of things. Um, and I thought, well, shit, that might be a really great way since I have health issues for me to get out there a little bit more and get known a little bit more. I mean, most of my work is online, but I think I don't really do a lot of stuff where people see my face online all the time. Um, except for ridiculous selfies. So I, you know, was interested. I, one of my friends was interested in like co-streaming with me if and when old school ever figured that technology out. Um, and, you know, I figured they'd be understanding of health issues. So... I signed the contract, I went through the initial setup, and uh, my computer didn't clear kind of their checklist for 
whatever they needed to have to stream. So they wanted me to try uh, a flash method of streaming instead of whatever streaming method they were using. I am not a technical person with that. Um, and I was like, okay. Um, honestly, it's probably because I have a VPN because, hi, uh, in a couple of days, net neutrality is going away. So I'm, I'm going to have a VPN. I'm going to use it all the time. <laughs> um, anyway, I... Uh, you know, about this time, got really, really sick, had to go on a couple of different prednisone bursts, had to get injections of um, steroids, couldn't leave the house. Like, I was incredibly sick and maybe should have been in the hospital, probably should have been in the hospital. Um, as I mentioned before, they always use Slack to communicate, and I kept getting pinged on Slack, but because I also uh, at the time was working a part-time job that I just recently got laid off of, um, because of things changing within the company. Um, you know, I only went on Slack for my job or for the, the sex bloggers Slack that we have. Um, and honestly, I wasn't in a place to really even respond to them. I felt very awkward about it. And they kept pinging me, pinging me, and then finally someone sent me an email, um, and was like, oh, hey, like, are you still interested in this? And I was like, yeah, absolutely, um, but I have 16, 17 diagnoses, and I, you know, unfortunately right now is just not a good time. Winter is really bad for me anyway, but this winter is being really bad. And, you know, the response was understanding, like, oh, okay, no worries, like, just let us know when you, you know, are cool with doing the things. So I didn't really think anything of it. Um, also, it became apparent that there was an expectation for people to keep their streaming schedule, but, and instead of moving that around, move around their travel and work issues, um, so it became apparent that O-School was not going to be maybe as understanding about health issues as I initially had thought. Um, it was very concerning because y'all know some days I can't form sentences, some days I can't sit up. So streaming, laying down, like just waving a dildo around, like that's not going to do anything. Um, so I had some reservations. I was at a conference, like just a bunch of stuff. And then I get this email that they're deactivating my account so that they can focus. This is, this is what they said. So they can focus on people who stream more often. Um, and it was kind of a form email that was sent out to a number of people. A lot of us who have chronic illnesses, by the way. Um, and it just solidified my belief that O-School really isn't here for marginalized people, especially if you have an unpredictable health like thing. Um, and I'll, I'll link to my friend Sarah's right up on that. My friend Bianca's right up on that. And um, Andre Shakti's right up of that as well so that you can read it because it's incredibly important to take the time to read it, especially if you are um, someone who likes O-School, if you've partaken in their stuff. Um, hell, if you, if you read things like Cosmo where they've, you know, shared how much old school is going to be this revolutionary thing. Um, unfortunately, it's not. And that's really upsetting. Anyway, <laughs> I'll, I'll link to those. Um, 
so the biggest thing that I want to talk about today is essentially the war on sex workers that's going on right now. There's a number of bills that I'll be talking about. Um, so a minute ago, I mentioned FOSTA-SESTA. Um, SESTA is the Stop Enabling Sex Trafficking Act, and FOSTA is the Fight Online Sex Trafficking Act. And what these things do is they amend Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act from 1996, which makes online platforms liable for content uploaded by users. Um, as a part of that, also, they have seized Backpage, citing that that was a, a sex trafficking issue and there is sex trafficking that goes on on Backpage um, but they're also not charging the the people that they've arrested in uh, conjunction with shutting down Backpage with anything to do with trafficking um, and knowing that people like Kamala Harris have this vendetta for some reason against sex workers um, I really don't believe that that's why Backpage got shut down. Kamala's been trying to shut it down for years, and everyone thinks she's very um, liberal, very uh, accepting of people, and that's definitely not the case. Um, She is single-handedly one of the people in politics that has harmed sex workers the most. If you excuse me, I need to sip some wine because this is fucking ridiculous. Mmm, delicious. Okay. Yes, it's 11.30 in the morning. It's snowing and I'm drinking wine. It's fine. Um, so, with this, there's a number of issues. Um, back page and the Craigslist personal section which um, was also shut down uh, due to fear about these bills. Um, Those two spots were spots where sex workers were able to do a lot of work. They were able to find clients. They were able to contact other sex workers and warn them of abusive clients in the area. Um, It was just a really great way for sex workers to connect and not have to literally work the street. And now both of those sites are gone. Um, in, in the last couple of weeks since these both passed the House and the Senate, and, and now I think this past week was signed by El Presidente Nacho Head, um, a number of sex workers have committed suicide. Some others are missing, and it's not known if they committed suicide or if they've been harmed by a client that they had to meet walking the street instead of being able to do cam work or connect with clients on these sites. Um, This is a very real issue. It's very serious. I have a number of friends who are sex workers. Um... And I love them to death with all my heart. Some of them have children and they have no idea how they're going to feed, clothe, and house their children now because of their main form of work 
being stripped away from under them. It's kind of like if you woke up in the morning, if you have a job, and and you go to go to work, and all of a sudden your uh, your building's boarded up. There's a sign on the door that says "Sorry, like as of yesterday at eleven fifty p.m., we're closed for good," um, and there's no there's no forewarning. There's no guarantee you're going to get your last paycheck, although that may not apply to sex workers. But um, I've also had friends who have literally shown up to work at restaurants and all of a sudden the restaurant has closed down. Um, It's just, I'm so upset right now about this that it's really hard for me to form the words. And it's not... It's not a brain fog thing. Like, I am mentally great today as far as that goes. It is a Jesus fucking Christ. This pisses me off. Um, one of the things, too, that these pages have allowed people to do is to work for themselves, to um, share their info themselves and not have to rely on pimps, which has cut down a lot on abuse of sex workers. The one of the very scary things um, that I've seen, and it's referenced in some of the articles that I will share, um, but I also saw this on Twitter, is that people are being contacted by former pimps, telling them, oh, we've still got your clients, they still want you, um, but you're going to have to work for us now because these sites are gone. And there is question, you know, around whether sites like FetLife will be able to stay up, whether sites that um, cam models use to do like camera performances will still be allowed to be up, um, or whether these things will be seized by the government or um, shut down due to fear or what have you. It's incredibly scary. Um, In one article that I'll share, written by a sex worker that was featured in Rolling Stone, um, I just want to kind of share this paragraph from it. There's no need to speculate. We know what's coming. In the aftermath of My Red Book seizure, My Red Book was another um, site that sex workers were able to use. Kristen D'Angelo, a trafficking survivor and the executive director of the Sacramento chapter of the Sex Workers Outreach Project, says her organization saw an 18% increase in street-based sex work, and 50% of people who had begun on the street had experienced violence, often in the form of rape, since their migration from indoor to outdoor work. These seizures, these bills are literally putting people's lives in danger. Their lives, their (laughs) well-being, their ability to provide. And if we go even further, um, you know, I I know a couple of trans sex workers who are like, shit, I, if I go to street work, I'm going to die. Someone is going to kill me and I don't know how else to make my money right now. I know disabled sex workers who are like, I can't really leave my house. And so what am I supposed to do? Just like tell people to come to my house, like put up a sign that says, hey, sex work. Like that doesn't work either. Um, 
we're also being pushed off of social media platforms. Um, people who, who do any sort of sex work, whether that's actual sex work or sex education, anything adjacent, we are being pushed off the social media platforms. Um, hell, we're being pushed off of dating sites because sites like OkCupid want you to put your real name instead of, you know, what other uh, pseudonym you might have been using. It's incredibly scary. And I think a lot of people are shocked. But I also think a lot of people don't know what is going on at all. And that's almost scarier to me. Um, so we have that bill. Those two bills, FOSTA, SESTA. And I'll come back to those in a minute. But I also want to share, because this is incredibly important, in California there is another bill right now. Um, Senate Bill 1204, introduced by Republican Senator Pat Bates, which radically redefines how California is going to prosecute prostitution and human trafficking. Notice that they're lumping the two together. Um, the bill would amend Section 266I of the State Penal Code to redefine pandering to include any individual who arranges, causes, encourages, induces, persuades, or procures another person to be a prostitute with a maximum sentencing of eight years for anyone 16 or older, including minors. Um... This not only will affect the way sex workers are able to do their work, because great, you can't do it online, and now if you're caught walking the streets, the stakes are even higher from a legal standpoint. Um, it also means that people who um, work with organizations like Swap and, you know, hand out condoms so that sex workers are being able to be safe and have access to safer sex supplies could be in trouble. You might get eight years in prison for handing a sex worker you know who's a friend a condom in public just because of their job. It's absolutely atrocious. And that means organizations that specifically serve to help sex workers like SWAP are fucked. They're fucked. I just needed to get that in there before I really dive into the foster stuff. Um, there's also another act it's called the Cloud Act. And adultbizlaw.com is saying that FOSTA and the Cloud Act are basically the one-two punch to end um, online escorting. The Cloud Act... Um, was hastily passed, they note, and it's the Clarifying Overseas Use of Data Act. It was tacked onto the spending bill, never debated, no public hearings. Um, essentially, here's what happens. I'm, I'm going to read some stuff from this actual adult biz law article. Usually when the U.S. government wants to secure online information about a U.S. citizen stored on servers overseas, they have to follow a treaty, more specifically a mutual legal assistance treaty to secure that information. So if the FBI wants communications from your 
profile stored on a server outside the U.S., they have to send a request to the U.S. State Department, who in turn sends a request to the State Department of the country your information is stored, who then sends it to a local law enforcement agency so they can go to the court and secure a subpoena signed by a judge for the information the government wants. Um, what the Cloud Act does then... All the U.S. has to do is request that the foreign government provides them with requested information about a U.S. citizen, and they will serve the subpoena on the local company, and they will not give you notice that your information is being subpoenaed or that it's being handed over to the government. So basically, anything that's offshore, even people like me who use VPNs, um, all of that information could be seized. So that's great. It's lovely. It's wonderful. Um, and and kind of continuing the idea of Lift Up Others Friday and sharing things from people in the communities. I'm going to kind of go through a couple of articles um, that I think are really important. I won't read the whole things except maybe this next one I'm going to talk about because it is a comic and I don't know how well their alt text describes things, so. More wine. Um, this piece is before FOSTA-SESTA was signed, and it is at the nib.com. It's called Sex Work is Work, and it needs a safe workplace. <clears throat> Excuse me. Took a big gulp of wine. Um, <laughs> On January 9th, 2017, classified site Backpage.com abruptly closed down its adult services section in the United States, citing years of intense U.S. government pressure. The closure was the result of an anti-child sex trafficking crusade led by former California Attorney General and current Senator Kamala Harris, as well as Cook County Sheriff Tom Dart. Going after Backpage was a way to score easy political points. It didn't matter to Senator Harris and the Senate committee that myself and dozens of my friends, all voluntary sex workers and adults, <laughs> would be severely harmed by losing Backpage. It didn't matter that studies have shown a disproportionate number of people who do sex work are already marginalized in other ways. It has, uh, you know, a couple people and lists marginalizations like disabled, trans, homeless, single mother. My name is S. I am a transgender sex worker in Chicago. I started escorting in 2016 to supplement my income, advertising on Backpage. I'd been using it consistently until it shut down. When it happened, I stayed up most of the night talking with other providers as we all tried to find out everything we could about what was happening. Most of us were wondering how we will work how will we pay for rent? Will I have to go to the street? Sex workers depended on Backpage to provide for themselves and their families, and these people are all now left without income or resources. We're all scared. One study showed that 70% of advertisements for prostitution on the internet were posted on Backpage. It was ubiquitous. I and every other sex worker I know relied on it as a primary platform to find clients. Losing Backpage meant losing the most widely available and affordable venue for advertising. It was cheaper than any other ad platform. It was a place I knew my ads would be seen. 
Backpage made it easier for indoor workers to work in ways we wanted. Having an affordable, reliable internet ad platform meant we could screen clients and schedule bookings more easily. It made security, safety, and autonomy easier to achieve. For starters, we had control over our image. We could put curated pictures and ad copy to express what experience we were offering. Plus, putting up our rates or putting our rates up front meant clients who didn't want to pay what we requested would be weeded out before they even contacted us. After an initial contact, we could use a multitude of screening tools and blacklists to gauge risk and decide if we wanted to schedule a booking based on what we found out. Without Backpage, many providers will move to the street where none of these resources are available, and the danger increases especially for those unfamiliar with the economy and safety methods of street work. How Backpage's shutdown helps trafficking victims has not yet been explained by Senator Harris or anyone else. The Backpage also worked with anti-trafficking group and law enforcement to track down traffickers was similarly ignored. Politicians, anti-trafficking, nonprofits, and journalists all participate in an ongoing war against sex trafficking which does not address the root causes. Closing Backpage is nothing but a symbolic victory for them, but even symbolic victories can have real victims. Something will appear to replace Backpage. Something always does appear to facilitate the world's oldest profession. But in the meantime, we sex workers still have to pay our bills. Maybe in the wake of Backpage's closure, people will start to hear the voices of sex workers, not just those trying to speak over us. Many of us are organizing, pooling resources and information, and protesting the continuing criminalization of our labor and our lives. We're telling our stories wherever we can. We're fighting for our right to work and fighting to be heard. We're fighting to make people respect our labor, our autonomy, and our lives, and we're going to keep fighting. Sex workers aren't going anywhere. I really, really like that piece, which is why I felt I needed to read it out loud especially since it is from a sex worker themselves. Um, Another friend of mine who is in Canada, but still being affected because sites like Backpage are being shut down, that's internationally. It's not like Backpage Canada is still open or Backpage Ukraine is still open. I don't know that they had that. Anyway, (laughs) the point is that... um, It's very clear that this is having an international stake as well, and it's very odd to me that people are still okay with this, even in countries where maybe sex work isn't as criminalized. Um, So this piece that I'm going to read parts of is from my friend at Feisty Fox Films. On the surface, FOSTA's an anti-trafficking bill, which... Obviously, everyone's in favor of ending trafficking. I mean, like, fuck, my dad, who I don't ever talk to. Okay, like, because he was a cop. (laughs) Like, imagine me, sex person, very justice-oriented, dealing with a cop for a father. It just doesn't work. Anyway, his, the majority of his job was working on the dark net, and tracking down trafficking people, um, those who trafficked victims and, and getting victims out of the situation as well. Um, it's, it's work that I think is great, but 
I don't feel like I can talk to him about this because he is going to be on board just like everyone else. Um, and I don't think people understand how dangerous this is unless you are a sex worker or you know sex workers or you're listening to things like this that are like, hey, listen to this. Here are some repercussions that my friend has listed so far. Escort and dating platforms have been shut down or raided. Uh, furry dating sites have closed. Reddit has closed sex work-related channels. Sites like The Erotic Review, Your Dominatrix, Yellow Pages that have helped sex workers screen and work safely have shut down discussion boards, ad platforms, and forums. Other sites like My Free Cams have changed their policy to ban any talk about transactions of any kind. FetLife has banned sex work, but only certain kinds so far, and it's not clear how that's going to be policed. Microsoft, this one pisses me the fuck off, um, and makes me glad that I moved to a different platform than Skype to do my podcast interviews. Uh, Microsoft changed its terms of service, so now nudity and inappropriate content, including language, um, is banned on Skype, Xbox Live, newer versions of Word, or newer versions of Word. Oh my god. Um, also means if you have Skype sex with your partner or write about sexually explicit things, you could be banned. Google started locking people out of their Google Drives and deleting porn, which is apparently an error, they're saying. I don't think it's an error, um, but okay. Eventbrite has doubled down on sexuality-related events. Indie sex stores are being blocked from using Google Word ads, um, and a lot more. A lot more. It's incredibly scary. <laughs> Um, I, I want to highlight again, paying for your porn. I think that's something that I've talked about in the past. Um, and, and pimping out, so to speak, um, crash pad series or anything by pink and white productions. Um, they have a number of disabled sex workers in their films. They have a number of queer disabled sex workers. Like it is the place for representation for us. It is not squidgy or squirmy it's not related to things like clip sites that will steer your shit <laughs> like you porn and Pornhub. um anything by mind geek you should avoid and that i talked about that in a prior thing i think uh i'll link to that post in the show notes so that you can um catch up on that if you haven't seen it if the it's scary. Um, and just, it's just a little scary right now. I actually want to read something that Andre Shakti wrote. Remember Andre from the old school conversation? Um, they wrote this for them.us and it just gave me feels because I didn't even see that they had written it. Like I didn't see it on social media. And then like I go to them to like, you know, do social media scheduling and I was like holy shit <laughs> um so Andre kind of goes through their things about like trying to raise funding to get to a feminist porn award show to receive an award and um people refusing to process their funds on the site that they were using um even like Airbnb accounts have been disabled um, and it's a story that's very similar, 
uh, both of these things. Even sites like PayPal are very anti-sex worker. Um, so I think like Striper may be a little better to use. Um, or Venmo, although I don't know Venmo's history of support or, or whatever for, for sex workers, like whether they're supportive or not. Um, I don't know. I don't know. So here is a little snippet from Andre's piece. And Andre uses uh, her real name in here as well. So don't get confused. Um, but I just know them better as Andre. And that's kind of their public persona. So that's that's the name I'm choosing to use. Uh, especially because that's the name that's listed as the by on this uh, piece. But my name is Ariana Travaglini, and I am a sex worker. As a sex worker, I shouldn't have to work so hard for digital platforms, legislators, or you to see me as a human being, to listen to me, and to believe me. To be honest, the kind of sex work I do isn't even important. I've been active in a number of different areas of the sex industry for the past 11 years. I am not, nor have I ever been, a trafficking victim. But thanks to the recent passage of a bill known as SESTA-FOSTA, there is no longer any legal distinction between consenting adult-age sex work and non-consensual, often underage trafficking. As Violet Blue puts it in a, peach, in a piece for Engadget, SESTA FOSTA removes protections for websites under Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act and makes sites and services liable for hosting what it very, very loosely defines as sex trafficking and, quote, prostitution content. FOSTA SESTA puts into law that sex work and trafficking are the same thing and makes discussion and advertising part of the crime. As Blue points out, this illogical conflation combined with an intentionally fuzzy, ambiguous interpretation of sex and commerce makes the perfect recipe for digital censorship disaster. I needed more wine because this is pissing me off. (laughs) Trust me, sex workers want to see an end put to sex trafficking as much as anyone else. But instead of working with us, to effectively identify and eradicate trafficking, which would require to s- them to see us as human beings, government officials are seizing and shutting down the very platforms we use to make a living and keep ourselves safe. Um, I highly suggest going and listening, going and reading the rest of Andre's piece because it's great. And just like my friend over at Feisty Fox Films, they actually list a number of places that you can give money. So I'm going to list off things that are listed on Andre's piece, on the Feisty Fox Films piece, and also on a piece at titsandsass.com so that you can kind of have a wider range of things. Um, Since those leaks are in these three pieces, go read the three pieces because they're great. Feisty Fox Films says... To help people, you can give us your money directly. If you know more privileged workers who don't need the cash, ask them to pass it forward to someone in need that they know or to give you names. Help us work with relate or help us with work-related expense- expenses like hosting fees, ad fees, costs of new websites, cell phone bills, etc. Pay for your porn. Book us for sessions or pre-screen or put a deposit down. Donate to orgs that are fighting for us, like Red Light Legal, Swap Behind Bars, St. James Infirmary, L slash Law Paratransit, shit, L slash Law Paratranslatinas, I should have maybe not drank the wine, Hips, Polaris, 
or U.S. Prostitutes Collective. So that's from the Feisty Fast, the Feisty Fox Films piece. Jeez, I really shouldn't have drank that wine. From the Tits and Sass piece, um, there's New Horizons, like horror, New Horizons. Um, they have a private Instagram account. They have an account on Cash.me. Um, there's La Sistrata, which is a member-led sex worker fundraising collective that was born right after the Backpage at All ad closures. You can donate to them via PayPal, Venmo, Square Cash, or directly through their website. You can donate monthly. Uh, there's the Black Sex Worker Collective. Definitely suggest taking a look at that. Uh, CUSP, C-U-S-P, in Alaska is raising money for street outreach supplies for Anchorage sex workers. The Third Wave Foundation is starting a cross-class, multiracial, intergenerational giving circle for women, queer, and trans people with experience in the sex trade to raise money for sex worker-led organizations. And then from Andre's piece, uh, I'm just going to skip the ones that I already listed. Uh, There's the Massachusetts Sex Worker Ally Network and Support Hose Chicago. Hose is spelled H-O parentheses S and parentheses E, which is really cute. Um, And then I also want to share, this one is not... Um, directly from people in the organization, although there is an interview, but on um, intomore.com, right after the signing of the shit bill, they put up a um, piece about this that kind of goes through it again, um, talks about other pieces, talks about um, the organization called Survivors Against SESTA, um, what it is is survivors of human trafficking, sex trafficking that are saying, I'm sorry, no, this, these laws are shit, um, which is an incredibly important voice to hear since everybody is so concerned with trafficking victims, rightly so, but so concerned that they ignore other people. Um, and their site is Survivors Against SESTA, S-E-S-T-A dot org. Um, it's really, really great. It's really grown um incredibly well and they have a couple of um ideas for what you can do um if you are someone who is a sex worker and has had a negative repercussion from these bills already um from a tech side they actually have a space where you can document that and let them know so that they can keep people updated as to which organizations are not cool um you can through that site also find other sex workers figure out how your representative voted on this um there's links to things about activist self-care and self-care links like hamsters eating pancakes like it's very sweet it's everything that i feel like a site should be about this stuff because it's very serious but it also has that self-care portion and not just links to other sites but the legitimate self-care stuff on their site it's really great um i'm not a sex worker i've kind of participated in sex work in the past but not um 
I guess I wouldn't say legitimately. I don't think, mm, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> really glad my husband doesn't listen to this. But, you know, having sex with someone so they'll buy you, like, fucking Taco Bell in college. Like, that's kind of my thing. And I, it's not the same kind of transaction, I think, as many people think of sex work as being. But it is um, a sex work-related transaction nonetheless. Um, and probably how I survived <laughs> honestly. And I was not safe. I didn't have the knowledge about checking people's backgrounds as well as I should have, even from like just being safe on the internet, general people standpoint. Um, I went with dudes to their houses, sat with them in their cars in the woods, like things like that that were not safe. Um, and I am incredibly lucky that I'm here to be frankly honest um because random people on my space being like hey you want to fuck like oh why you talk about like I don't know should have added them more and now I'm kind of embarrassed that I talked about this but not really because it's also a very legitimate form of sex work and some something that I don't think a lot of us consider as sex work the same way we consider some other things um it's very interesting. Uh, I would love to see more information about that kind of stuff as well. But so there you have it. There's some really important information about FOSTA SESTA and SB 1204 in California. Um, I have some some action items on my site uh, or on this on this roundup piece. There's a site called WT FOSTA. Like what the fuck? Fasta, but like without the extra F. Um, I have a link to Survivors Against SESTA. I have a link to a petition on the White House website about Fasta SESTA. I don't appreciate the last line of their petition description because it's like, oh, like, do you want to do this or do you want to like make prostitutes have to do this? And it's just, and the word prostitute is a word that I is generally not okay to use. Um, you should always be using sex worker unless someone has told you, no, it's cool. I like being called a prostitute. Um, and even then, you know, you have that conversation with them about whether it's okay for you to refer to them that way in other circles or if it's just between you two. Like, like there's a lot of discussion about boundaries there that needs to happen. <laughs> Um, I also have a link to another site that wasn't mentioned already, Atlanta Harm Reduction, that works with sex workers in the Atlanta area um, to reduce their harm levels, potentials for being harmed. Anyway, so those are some really, really important things. Um, Please go check them out. Please read these pieces because they're very important. Um, And... You know, sex workers have done a lot of emotional and physical labor for us to be able to understand these things. And it's very important to appreciate that and respect it and learn from them themselves and not just pieces like the Daily Beast had where they use the term prostitute constantly. Um, I'm just floored. I'm just floored. Anyway, um, with that out of the way... Again, make sure you to check the show 
notes for the link to that site um, where I have the roundup links. But um, I also kind of want to debrief a little bit about being at Klexicon. Um because that was a couple weeks ago. That was really fun. My husband and I turned um, the time there into a vacation. So we drove out to Vegas from Wisconsin and then drove back um, a different way. So like we drove out there through like Aspen. Like we got to outside of Denver the first night. Like drove through Aspen. Um, drove down through... Utah did Canyonlands National Park, which is, I think, the most amazing national park I've been to. Um, It's just outside of Moab, which is where Arches National Park is, too. But Arches had, like, a mile-long car line and, like, four lanes of these cars um, to get in. Too busy. Um, But Canyonlands was really nice. It was super chill. Um, it was absolutely gorgeous. So if you're ever in Moab, go to there. Um, they also have like a dinosaur museum that we didn't see, like we didn't go to, but I kind of wish we had, (laughs) um, did a couple fun things in Vegas. We went to, uh, the Zach Baggins paranormal, um, possessions, like haunted museum, which was fun. I got scared as shit from, like, some jump scares. So that was great. Um, it was fun. Would I go a second time? Only if it was, like, to bring my sister, who's really into stuff, too. Like, I wouldn't just go to go. Especially because it was, like, $80. No, $90 for us both to get in. Like, it was pricey. Um, and there wasn't really anything in the gift shop worth, like, getting... A lot of it was culturally appropriated, like sage. So, eh. um, we did that. We went and saw Boys to Men, and thanks to being a gimp, I got to sit in the front row. Um, they handed me a rose during the "I'll Make Love to You" song. I cut their eyes several times, like direct eye contact. It was just really nice. Um. I've been listening to them since I was, like, four, <laughs> so um, we saw them, like, a couple years ago when they were here, but it was really nice to go see them, like, where they have their residency and um, hang out. It was just really cool. Um, and now I have a dried rose from boys to men. It's cool. It's fine. Everything's fine. I'm not, I'm not tearing. It's fine. Ah, um, <laughs> uh, let's see what else. Oh, when we drove back, we kind of went back up into Colorado a bit um, and went to the Anastasi Heritage Museum. And I realized I just said Anastasi. Anastasi. Jesus. Heritage Museum. There's uh, some Pueblo ruins right there that that were really cool. The museum itself was fantastic. Um, It was actually the first time I've used my wheelchair. I didn't use it inside the museum, but to get to the Pueblo ruins, it was like a a path full of switchbacks. It was paved, um, but it was uphill and like half a mile. And I just had this feeling that it wasn't going to happen if I was walking. So 
used my wheelchair, realized I can't push uphill worth shit. So my sweet husband had to like push me (laughs) up a hill half a mile (laughs) in an elevation we weren't used to. Like it was kind of funky, but it was really nice. Um, You know, I, at some point I felt really bad about it. I was like, shit like I shouldn't be making you do this like just go to the top like have fun and he was like no like if you having this wheelchair means that we can both see it together then that's what it's for and I don't mind that I might have to do a little extra to like get you there it's fine so that really like was very sweet um made me feel a lot less self-conscious. I wound up using my cane a lot more. I actually used it at the conference itself, which was so much fun. Oh, and the three panels I was on were amazing. Um, even got to teach a fellow sex educator that jelly toys are not great. Don't do it. Um, unless you have a condom on it. Even then, mm, Jelly toys have phthalates in them and they can burn your bits, like literally burn your bits and like leak out stuff into your body. So just don't do it. Uh, getting back on track. Um, yeah, and then we did we did the Grand Canyon. So I guess we went down into Arizona and then up into Colorado. Um, and honestly, the Grand Canyon was cool, but... I just feel like when you're close to it, you don't get to experience how actually grand it is, which is why I liked Canyonlands better, especially like it wasn't as busy at Canyonlands as it was at at the Grand Canyon. Um, I actually really liked, too, the same day we did the the Pueblo at the Anasazi Heritage Museum, Um, we drove into New Mexico and they had a site called Aztec Ruins, and they're not actually from the Aztecs. Spaniards just seem to call every indigenous group Aztecs because they're assholes. Um, Anyway, what this is, it's really cool. It's a site that has a reconstructed kiva. So a kiva is kind of the great house. It's a community building. It's also a building used for like sacred rituals and things. They have a reconstructed one. They're circular and they're quite large. There's steps down in. It's absolutely gorgeous really cool. They have the ruins of the actual Kiva next to it. And then the, the Pueblo buildings themselves, they, there was three stories, like three stories of Pueblo build, like on top of each other. And, um, you could like go in some of the bottom rooms where there were the three stories still. And, like, you're standing in this room that's, like, 900 to 1,000 years old. It's comfortable as fuck. The ceiling is still, like, got the reeds in it. It still has all the wood. Like, amazingly preserved. The people there are fantastically fun. Um, and then we stayed in Albuquerque, which is really fun. I've always wanted to go there. Um And then we did a long drive to Kansas City, (laughs) a long drive. And I actually hit four states that I hadn't been in then. So, like, I obviously, like, sleeping in Albuquerque the night before I was in New Mexico, but that was my first time there. So, New Mexico, Texas, like, like, the top half of Texas, 
the Oklahoma little panhandle bit. And then Kansas, I hadn't been in either. So that was a long day, but an interesting day. Um, And then we did the Negro Leagues Museum and Jazz Museum in Kansas City and drove home, which was fun. Um, We didn't get back quite as late as I thought we would, but we didn't get up till like 10 the next morning. (laughs) I didn't, at least. Um, It was really fun. It was a really nice time. I really enjoyed it. Uh, It was nice to be in a space, too, where a lot of time I didn't have self-reception or, like, at least good enough self-reception to really do much. So it was really nice to be able to really disconnect in a way I don't think I've been able to in a really long time. Um, Like, unless I'm on an airplane. And even then, that's only a couple hours at a time, right? Unless I buy the Wi-Fi and then I'm still connected. Um, Yeah, it was really fun. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, I've got my workshop at UW coming up this weekend. Like I said at the beginning, um, I'll be at the Wine and Crime live show in Minneapolis on the 29th. It's my birthday weekend. My birthday's the 26th, but I make it a weekend. (laughs) Um, So I'm really excited to go see them and meet them and like confirm that they're real people. (laughs) Because I, like, get along with them so well. It's so much fun. Um, And they've actually got me being able to drink wine, which is great. Um, So I'll be there. That show is sold out, though. Don't worry. Um, I'll be teaching at Toolshed Toys in Milwaukee on May 10th. Um, And then I don't think it's fully solidified yet. But um, I think it's August 5th. Fifth, I'll be teaching at Smith and Kitten in Minneapolis. It'll be a Sunday morning course. That way people can find parking because it's downtown Minneapolis. Like, it's fun to park. Um, so I'll be there for that. I have my uh, presentation with my friends Ren and Rachel at Polly Dallas for the weekend of July. The 15th, I think, is like the Sunday. It's T's birthday, and I'm going to be gone again. <laughs> this last year, I don't think I was, but the year before, I was like in Phoenix doing a workshop for the Arthritis Foundation's like college-aged kids about sex. Um, and then, too, uh, the weekend of Father's Day, so it's like June 17th, I'll actually be in Montreal. I'm so excited about this um, because there's an organization that's running a sex ed and disabilities day. So I get to do a presentation there. I'm very excited because um, he took that weekend off and we've got everything in for his passport. So um, he's going to come with me and that'll be fun. And think that's all I have for now. Oh, wait. No, shit. It's not all I have for now. Look, I am in the May issue of Women's Health. I am in the May issue of Women's Health. It's fine. Everything's fine. Um, they did a series about love and mental illness. And so they're, they were highlighting different people that have depression um, and how their loved ones deal with it, whether it's like 
family member, friend, like significant other. Um, and so there's some blurbs from me and T in there and a really cute picture of us at the, um, the Tanical Gardens that like we got our engagement pictures at. Like it's, it was really fun. Um, they sent a photographer out to like follow us around just lots of stuff. So it was great. Um, and I'm really excited. I bought like five copies of it at the store yesterday. <laughs> um, along with, and, and these are some books you should definitely get. Um, Ask Me About My Uterus by my friend Abby Norman. I think I talked about that on our endo episode. Um, also, Backbone by Karen Duffy, who I absolutely love. We're actually friends, and it's really weird to be friends <laughs> with Karen Duffy. Like, I grew up, like, she was in blank check. I grew up being like, oh my god, I want her hair, and I have her hair, and now we're friends. It's great. I need to go to New York so we can have another tea date. Um, <laughs> Two other books you should definitely take a look at getting by two people. I, um, you know, like we're mutuals on Twitter now. So I always call everybody that's a mutual love friend. Um, the first one is by Maya Dusenberry, and it is called Doing Harm, The Truth About How Bad Medicine and Lazy Science Leave Women Dismissed, Misdiagnosed, and Sick. And the other is invisible how young women with serious health issues navigate work relationships and the pressure to seem just fine by michelle lent hirsch i'm so excited for all four of these books i think i literally have 75 books to read in my house and i bought more it's fine. Everything's fine. But um, I, I highly suggest checking out these books. They are um, maybe a little more geared towards women and, and people with more femme life experience. Um, but I, I think that as I read them, I'll, I'll try to do um, reviews and point out some things just in case. But... Um, I'm really excited to read them, and I don't know how I got to the point where I know all these cool people, and, like, I'm friends with them, and they, like, made a books, which I guess means, like, I should make a book sometime. Paul, would you actually buy a book if I made a book? And not just, like, my self-love ebook you can get for free if you, like, become a patron at patreon.com slash chronic sex. Like, an actual book. I'm going to put this up as a poll. Because I... I mean, I'm not feeling pressure to do the book. But I feel like I maybe should do a book. I contributed to chapters to books that are coming out that... I can't tell you what they are yet because I don't want to jinx it. <laughs> no, one is actually um, a really cool... Um, collection of pieces around the concept of bio-citizenship, um, which is this interesting concept. It's a, essentially the idea that we own our 
that we own our um our medicalness or medicality like it's essentially like being a, a an engaged patient um crap i didn't put it on my new site i'll i'll let you guys know when i remember the name of it and um when it's coming out because i have a, a blurb and a chapter for that as do a couple of friends um and then i actually helped co-write a chapter about sex and gender for the upcoming edition of the rheumatology nurses society textbook um including talking about like side effects of medication. So I am so excited for both of those to come out and to snag my copy and put them next to my hard copy published capstone and pretend I'm an adult. <laughs> um, so I think that's it for me today. Um, make sure that you stay tuned I'm hoping to have this episode with Siren up for the next episode. And um, as long as I can get the technical stuff sorted out, it didn't convert great. Um, and there's a lag. Just just some things that I need to play with. So hopefully that'll be next episode. Um, take care of you. And I hope I get to hear from you soon. Chronic Sex is produced every two weeks by me, Kirsten Schultz. I use music from Pottington Bear because they're awesome. You can find show notes and more over at chroniccex.org. If you're enjoying listening to the show, please subscribe and that way you won't miss a single episode. If you're on iTunes, it'd be really chill if you take a minute to rate the show, too. Not only does it give me great feedback, but it also helps the podcast get seen by people who may not know it exists. And that's pretty cool. You can support us over at patreon.com slash chronic sex. As always, you can find links to everything at chroniccex.org from social media accounts to resources to sex toy reviews and more. Until next time, please take care of yourself and remember that you are a freaking badass.